Please turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 8. So we'll look at the reasons, again, for praising our God, praising Him for that salvation that He has given. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who, like me, His praise should sing. Indeed, the Lord is most gracious, most worthy of praise. Angels help us to adore Him. You behold Him face to face. Sun and moon bow down before Him. Dwellers all in time and space. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise with us. The God of grace. This morning we want to consider once more God's graciousness. His kindness to us. That is a theme that is throughout the Scriptures over and over again. God's mercy and His grace. And we, need not, we, we must not forget that. We need to recall it to mind. Struck this week again by how, how much our culture is trying to, to suppress our connection to the past. I was uh, uh, reflecting on that as I was listening to uh, one speaker talk about that this week. There are those, many in, in, uh, in power who are in influential positions, trying to, to get us to just forget about the past. Something to be overcome. We've had that for some time now in this country. We, we've had prosperity for, uh, for a generation or more uh, upon the, uh, the recovery from World War II, and there was much progress. And we, see, uh, we saw how much that affected the nation, how uh, successful the nation was. And when that happens, we tend to forget just how much we need the Lord, just how much we need uh, Him to, to live in a, in a right way. It's good to ask the question, does the past connect with the present and the future, or are we just getting a, a, a blank slate, able to start over each time? Perhaps we look at the flood and we think of that. We think, well, the flood's a, a, an idea that, that we just get a clean slate and then we can start over. But I want us to see this morning that there is continuity in the midst of the discontinuity. There is continuity in that God keeps covenant with uh, His people in a man, uh, though He wipes out much of the earth because of sin's influence. There, is, uh, there are those in power in the mo- at this moment who um, act as if there's no permanent foundational truth that underlies history, no past from which we come and to which we're anchored. But there is permanence. We're connected to the past. It's where, it's in, it's in God's Word that we find the true history, the true story of humanity, and we dare not lose that. God is eternal. His covenant is eternal, and He continues to reveal Himself to us. He tells us who we are. He tells us where all of history is headed. He tells us our story, explains to to us how we got to where we are, what went wrong. He tells us that He wants us to relate to Him uh, in a right way, but that sin has created a great chasm. And we have turned aside. And He wants to renew us. He wants to wash us. We see that imagery in the flood as well, a renewal. He wants us to remember that we're made for Him, for His glory. 
God did not wipe out all things. He renewed all things. This morning we want to consider that as we look at Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 18, reading through chapter 9, verse 1. This is the word of God. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, that is out of the ark. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So far, the reading of God's own holy word this morning. For people, contrary to what we see in the world today, that is, a desire to wipe out the past, we see that God spared the world from total annihilation, from total destruction. He kept covenant, his covenant with Adam and Eve, that he would have come forth from them a descendant who would deliver his people. All that he had made was very good. We remember that from the creation account, and God was not uh, seeking to destroy, but rather to renew. 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us in the end, God will do the same. He will burn up the earth with fire. He will refine it as by fire and renew it. He's not making all new things, he's making all things new. So today, we want to think about that, reflect upon that idea as we reflect on what does it mean to live in a fallen world? It doesn't mean to to destroy categories. It doesn't mean to destroy uh, traditions that are established upon God's Word. They're there, and they're there by design. But it means that they need to be renewed to be revived as we look to the Word of God. What was the reason for the flood? Well, God states it. He doesn't leave it to our, uh, to our conclusion. He says in verse 5 of chapter 6, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. He repeats that to uh, a few verses later to Noah. He says, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He says, but I will establish my covenant with you. He is reiterating that relationship that he has with His creature made in His image. Well, children, if I asked you today what kept God from totally destroying the world, what would you say? Is it it man's goodness? Is it that Noah was so, so righteous in himself? We recognize that post-flood, nothing had changed. Verse 21 of what we read this morning in Genesis 8 says this, The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nothing had changed in man. Man continued to be sinful. It wasn't that Noah was somehow of a different variety, a different 
grouping, he too was sinful, but he saved Noah and humanity in him by his grace, according to his grace and his mercy. He came down and made covenant with Noah, as I just read in chapter, uh, uh, chapter 7, or 6 rather, that he would establish his covenant with Noah, that he would preserve him. God makes covenant with humanity through the one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we see in verse 21 as well of Genesis 8. It says, he smelled the sweet sacrifice and made the statement, I will not destroy the world, and that with a flood. Though we know the coming judgment is not to be caught up in these words. He says, I will not destroy the world with a flood, but he is going to judge. He is going to renew. And he comes to make a renewal of that commitment to humanity. God is one who is for us. We see it as he receives the sacrifice that is offered there in verse 21, pointing forward to the Lord Jesus Christ who was that sacrifice. Based upon that satisfaction, the keeping of covenant is not only by grace and mercy, but in keeping with his righteous demands being met in Jesus Christ. We need to remind ourselves of that. We need to remind others of that, that God is not one who overlooks sin, but he is the one who makes, uh, declares persons just by faith in Christ. Romans chapter 3 tells us that. Romans 3 verses 21 to 26 speak of the fact that there's a righteousness of God made clear apart from the law, that of the righteousness to be found in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. There's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. God shows His righteousness by judging our sins, but doing it graciously and mercifully through his, upon His Son. God is one who is a covenant maker and covenant keeper. The one who does not break covenant. There's a wonderful description of God in Nehemiah chapter 9 where the people are confessing their sins, recognizing they've sinned. And there in Nehemiah chapter 9, we read that God is one who is a covenant keeper. He who keeps covenant and steadfast love with his people according to his great mercies is your God. Our hope is in God's faithfulness to His covenant and His unchanging nature that is His gracious and merciful nature to us, remembering Christ and His sacrifice. Man cannot make himself better. His heart remains inclined toward all evil. We see it here even post-fall. Our salvation will never come from man. Man pursues ways that he thinks are right, but in the end, those ways lead to death. Scripture tells us, Proverbs 14, 12. Only those who trust in God and submit to his plan of salvation will be saved from the coming judgment. Noah comes out and reflects upon God's graciousness. He is in obedience, setting sacrifice before the Lord, recognizing that it is God's sacrifice alone which will deliver him and his family from death. What is the story of humanity after the flood? It's no different, as I said, than the story of man before the flood. 
It's a story of God graciously saving sinners. A story of God preserving the earth, as he says there in verse 22 of chapter 8. The earth will remain until the end. Well, God is loving and merciful. That's the foundation of the covenant. He's established his covenant upon the righteous, righteousness of his demands being met in Christ. That does not mean that he does not punish our sin. does not discipline us. Again and again we read of how God punishes people for their sin. Why does he do that? Because he wants us to turn from sin. He wants us to live in that renewed way. We're to be, be those who see what God is going to do to, in, uh, to those who sin in the flood. He's going to punish. He's going to destroy. And therefore we ought to be renewed in the way that we live keeping with his commands. In reading through the prophets as of late, I've come across this theme again and again of, of God, uh, God's lament over our sins seen through his prophets. Prophet Jeremiah speaks of that. He's lamenting uh, what has happened to God's people. And the city where God's people dwelled was in ruins. Babylon had looted the city. There had been There had been defeat of the people of God. And why? Because they had sinned against the Lord. There is much for us to learn as we read these these passages. We see what God does when a people turns away from the Lord. And Isaiah then also speaks to this. Isaiah chapter 1 records God's thought on what has happened to those who formerly served him. He says that the Lord says this, children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. What a, what a commentary on our day today of how people did know, had a knowledge of the truth and have turned away. The Lord says, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They've forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Isaiah was grieved over the state of God's people. Jeremiah was grieved. He acknowledged that the people deserved the judgment. But his hope was placed upon God's unchanging nature. And what was he hoping for, or what was he looking to? He was looking to God's grace and to his mercy, which is where we look again today. Listen to what he says in Lamentations chapter 3, familiar words to us because of the hymn that we sing. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, writes Jeremiah. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That doesn't mean inactively, that doesn't mean passively, but it means that we ought to have a confidence, a sure, a sure, a confidence that God is is going to deliver, an assurance that he will deliver. Jeremiah looked back, learned about the Lord. He wasn't one who was going to try to forget the past, to see it as something to be overcome as we hear today. The truth that is established as something to be ignored, to be denied. We see in Noah's day, 
that the earth had been so distorted that God needed to reform it like a potter who takes a ruined pot and remakes it for his purposes. Jeremiah has hope as he thinks back upon the history of the world where he recognizes that God is gracious and merciful and his words are forever true. There in Lamentations, once again, verse 31, the center of the book, of this book on lament, Jeremiah writes, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart. It is not his heart's desire to afflict, to discipline, but he does it that we might be turned from sin to him. His heavy hand is meant to get our attention, to teach us of what the end of sin is. And we must take note of God's heavy hand when he punishes. The Lord declared that he would never again destroy the world with a flood, but judgment is coming. Jesus talks about it. He says it's going to be like as in the days of Noah when the Son of Man comes to whom judgment has been entrusted as he has been teaching it in John chapter 5 that the Son of Man will be given judgment. When he comes, it will be as in the days of Noah. They'll be giving in marriage, living in their day-to-day events, and he will come suddenly upon the people. Friends, we see a parallel between Noah's day and our own. How are we living in these times? Do we live as though nothing's going to happen? Do we live rather uh, apathetically about all of this? Peter warns, there were those saying, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And they followed their own sinful desires. They overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. That by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. By the same word, God has a word for us. The same word, by that same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but His patience towards you not wishing, but His patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But that day will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There is a coming judgment that is most severe. Don't believe it, then you need to think about what God is doing even now. There is judgment even now happening. Where do we see that? Well, through the prophet Isaiah, God says that those who turn away from him will not know strength. And we are seeing a weakness coming to those who were formerly aware of his truth, knowing the word. A weakness, a confusion coming upon leadership that formerly was speaking clearly and with conviction and speaking what was right. And what happens then when we turn away from him? Listen to what happened in Isaiah's day and see if you can't see the parallels to our day. 
And I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them. And the people will oppress one another, everyone his fellow, and everyone his neighbor. The youth will be insolent or boldly disrespectful to the elder, and the despised to the honorable. God's hand of judgment comes upon those who refuse him. And those who are not renewed don't understand. And we who are must explain this to them. That these are signs of judgment. These are warnings that what God says is true and what he says will come to pass will certainly come to pass. We see leaders today devoid of common sense and morality. It's tragic. We read through Isaiah all of the promises that this will not end well. The chapters 24 to 27 speak of how the Lord is going to judge the whole earth, how He's going to also bring an end to death, and how He's going to keep in perfect peace those who trust in Him. All of these things set alongside of each other. Fascinating to read. I encourage you to read these, these chapters of Isaiah to see what God is going to do. But listen to what it says there in Isaiah 24, God's assessment of the world in that day and what will bring judgment is this quality. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched and few men are left. The confusion in our culture, the, the, the hurt, the pain, the, the violence, the, the anger that we see is as a result of turning away from the Lord. It is a warning that we are not walking with the Lord and that there is a judgment to come that will remove this wickedness from the earth. The wicked are not moving beyond the foundations, but storing up wrath for the day of judgment. That's the word of God in Romans 2.5. We're to stand firm then in the grace of God. Not to take His grace for granted, but to be led in the truth. When Christ comes again, there will be judgment, but then in God's, in keeping with God's grace and mercy, he speaks also following that chapter, the 24th chapter of Isaiah about judgment to say that all death will be swallowed up. Chapter 25, he says that death will be swallowed up in victory. And the one who trusts in him will be kept in perfect peace. Chapter 26, This is the word that we speak to ourselves and to our children, to those around us. Listen to this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That means we can be kept in perfect peace in the midst of a judgment and at the final judgment because the Lord remembers his sacrifice, even Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's unchanging, faithful to his promises. There, toward the end of chapter 26, it says this, that those who die in the Lord will rise again. They will be spared. And then it says this in verses 20 and 21, the parallel to 
the Genesis account, come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will dis- disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. Interesting mix of, of what is happening now, but also what is to come. And the parallel there of shutting the doors of, that, of, of the ark as Noah is finding safety in God. And the promise then that those who do so, who trust in Him, will be kept safe and will be delivered. So we see that the world, what I'm trying to lay out before you today is that the world has not changed. We see sin. And that the world's, the world's, conclusion to that is, well, nothing, everything continues as it has, so nothing's going to change. There's not going to be a judgment. I don't know what you're talking about. But they've forgotten about God's certainty to punish, or they've refused, they've suppressed that truth. They've not looked to His means of deliverance. They're trusting in their own ways and means, thinking it's all going to continue as it has, and we're all going to come out just fine. And yet God warns them, do you see what's happening in your culture? Do you see what's happening in the world? These things are harbingers of what is to come. These are warnings of what is to come. And in the end, there will be no deliverance. But we say God is also unchanging in this. He's gracious and merciful. He can forgive. He does forgive even to the greatest of sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can call people to that. For we are yet sinners, just as Noah was. And yet, what do we read in the opening of chapter 9? And God blessed Noah and his sons according to his grace and mercy. God is gracious to us, making covenant, keeping covenant unto the end. And as we see in the Lord Jesus Christ, to the ends of the earth, to the nations. Not just to Noah. Noah makes way for Abraham. And the Lord says, By, through Abraham shall you be a blessing to the nations. And it points forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is that one to come, who has died, given himself as a sacrifice to deliver people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. The Lord did not forget his promise to Noah. He remembered Noah. We read in the opening of chapter 9, and then we read chapter 8, and we read in chapter 9, he blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want us to to think about that for a moment because in Isaiah we just heard, close the door, get in and, and stay, lock yourself in. There is certainly truth to that. We need to know the truth. It's important that we catechize. It's important that we know our, the, the truth of Scripture, the teaching of Scripture. But then there is the, the, the call to go out then, to fill the earth, to proclaim. Yes, to have children, to have uh, uh, offspring, and to teach them and to instruct them. And we must do that. But also to go out, to declare to the world what God's plan is. The story that has not changed Though the world may think that the past is to be overcome, to be forgotten, God says, no, you look to the past, you find that ancient path, and you walk in it, for it is the way to life. God speaks to this one man and he to his family, and Noah is a picture of Christ who came as that one 
who was prophet, priest, and king, the one who spoke, the one who interceded for the people, the one who now rules over the earth. How is it that we know God will deliver us in the midst of such a tumultuous time? Because he doesn't change. He says in Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you are not consumed. I am gracious and merciful and compassionate, as he says to Moses in Exodus. When Moses asks the Lord to show himself, he says, I will pass by, and when I pass by, I will reveal my glory to you. And he says this, I, the Lord, am gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love, Because of that, we have the assurance that God is gracious to deliver. The Lord said to Noah, back in chapter 6, you shall go into the ark. Then he says in chapter 8, verse 15, you shall come out of the ark. Moses, or Noah was preserved. So we are preserved. We come in to hear the word. We go out with the word to instruct, to teach, to remember our story to fill the earth with the teaching of the Word of God. We proclaim that hope is to be found in Christ, that there is a family where truth and joy can be found in the midst of a world where there seems to be ever-increasing confusion and pain, and that is the family of the believers in the church. God has promised to build His church, to preserve her, to use her for the evangelization of the nations, to renew us, Say, yes, we know our past. We know where we've come from. But in the work of the Lord, as we heard this morning, 2 Corinthians 5, we are a new creation in Christ. New creatures. After the floodwaters recede, we see the wondrously gracious and merciful heart of God once again in His reception of Noah's sacrifice. A sacrifice that He would provide in His Son for our sin. We see that He is for us, and we are to rest in Him, to look to Him. And in Christ, we proclaim that there is a new world to come where there, where that is beyond judgment. That's the story that is the story of the world. There is judgment coming, but there is mercy and forgiveness to be found in God through Jesus Christ. We come in, we learn, we go forth with that truth. It changes us. And indeed, as God uses the word in our witness, it changes the world for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect again upon the story of the world and we see it there in this one man, Noah, we are mindful that he pointed forward to the the one man, Jesus Christ, the one of whom Pilate said, Behold the man. Here is the one. Though he did not understand what he was saying, he was indeed proclaiming the truth about your son. He is the one, behold, the man who keeps your commands, who walks in all faithfulness, who showed your compassion and your mercy. Lord, may we be more and more reflecting his nature. For in ourselves, we are, nothing has changed We are still sinful, but by your Spirit we are being made new. 
And our hope and our confidence and our joy are in those promises that you give that in him we shall live. May that be our joy in the midst of trying times. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.